The Upper Cumberland is filled with rich history that helped to shape our country to what we live in today. Join avid historian Troy Smith as he will tell you tales of characters and events that happened in your backyard. Mountain True starts now. You're listening to Mountain True from the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. Henson Oakley Family Dentistry now offering Zoom teeth whitening. West Jackson Street in Cookville. And now, Mountain True. My name is Troy Smith. I am a history professor at Tennessee Tech, and I have been doing these podcasts talking a little bit about local history. And for this segment, I'm probably going to be doing something that uh, will wind up turning into a multi-part thing like some of the others have. Um, Previously, I had talked about some connections between the Upper Cumberland and and Texas. And what I'm going to be doing this time is talking about some, uh, some things that took place here in the Upper Cumberland that had a, uh, have a connection in a way to Oklahoma, um, some similarities, but also in the, the bigger picture, um, sort of tying in together. And so I will ask you to uh, be patient uh, with me on that because I will tie it all together toward the, the end. It may seem like at first I'm talking about some things that aren't related to Tennessee at all. Well, the, uh, the time period that I'm looking at for, uh, for this segment is the post-Civil War era. Um, Roughly, you know, around 1870 for about 40 years or so. And I'm going to talk a little bit first about the U.S. Marshals Service. May not have been what you were uh, expecting, if you expected anything in particular at all. If you're familiar with the Marshal Service, you know that um, U.S. Marshals, uh, Deputy Marshals, Federal Marshals, um, operate closely with the uh, the courts. A lot of times the marshal service uh, involves guarding prisoners, transporting prisoners, and sometimes, like if, uh, if you remember the movie version of The Fugitive with Tommy Lee Jones, sometimes it involves catching fugitives, people who have been arrested and either escaped or, or jumped bail. The marshal service was initially established in, I think, 1791 or 1792. It was right there near the beginning of the uh, of what became eventually the uh, ultimate form of the U.S. government after the Constitution was, was ratified and put into effect. Over the, what, 240 years since then, there have been 292 members of the U.S. Marshal Service who have died in the line of duty. So almost 300. 292. And out of that number, the, the vast majority, majority of them were, were, were killed in the course of doing their duty. There were 
some uh, among that number, there were some some other things that happened. I think there were four people out of the 292 that died of a heart attack while they were at work. There was uh, one deputy marshal in North Dakota in the late 1800s who got lost in a in a blizzard and froze to death. Uh, there were several who were killed in accidents on trains or later in cars when they were transporting prisoners. There were a couple that were killed when a boat capsized and they were uh, going out to an island prison to pick somebody up. But most of them were were not, you know, accidental uh, or natural cause deaths. Most of them were really murders of of these officers. Well, two hundred and ninety-two, almost three hundred. Uh, of those federal marshals who died in the line of duty, out of that number, 190 of them, or right at two-thirds of them, died within one 40-year period between 1870 and 1910. So that's that's kind of sobering. It's a little bit shocking when you think about it that Two-thirds of the federal marshals who uh, died in the, the line of duty were within that same time frame. Oh, why is that? Well, we're going to look a little bit closer and, and determine why that is. But you can find out a lot about it just by looking at where it is or where it was. So of the 190 federal marshals who died in the line of duty in that time period, exactly half of them, 95, died in Oklahoma, which for most of that time period was divided into Indian Territory, which is the eastern half of what is now Oklahoma, and Oklahoma Territory, the western half. 1907, the two were combined when Oklahoma gained statehood. Uh, so far as why so many federal marshals would, would be killed in that area, in that time period, we're going to zoom in on that uh, and and see why that was. But before we do, let's look at the other 95 federal marshals who, who, who died in that time period. So half of them, half of them died in Oklahoma. Out of the other 95, 30 of them were killed or in a few rare cases died by accident in other parts of the West. You know, we tend to think of the Wild West as this really dangerous place, which it could be. Uh, but as as we can see right here, the Oklahoma part of it was way, way more dangerous if you were a federal federal marshal. So about thirty uh, in the rest of the north, uh, rest of the Northwest, uh, Southwest, and then there were a few individuals here and there. There were two or three that were killed in Alaska during the Gold Rush. Um, one who died in the north in that 40-year period in, in Jersey City, of all places. Uh, and he was, he was stabbed by a deserting Russian sailor. There's got to be an interesting story there. But what we're going to focus on, out of those 95 people who didn't die in Oklahoma, 56 of them died in the south. And most of those were in southern Appalachia. Uh, some in the Ozarks, in the mountainous regions of the South. So stop and think about that for a second. If you go outside of Oklahoma, not count Oklahoma, the whole rest 
of the American West. If you were a federal marshal, you were twice as likely to be killed in the line of duty if you were in the mountain south than if you were in the wild west. A lot of folks aren't aware of that. So what's that all about? Well, like I said, we're going to, we're going to zoom in on that. But first, uh, just a reminder that you're listening to Mountain True from the Henson Oakley Podcast Center. Henson Oakley Family Dentistry now offering Zoom teeth whitening at West Jackson Street in Cookville. Uh, and now back to our, our discussion about federal marshals. Well, first of all, um, I will real quickly tell you what's going on in the South, and then later I'm going to come back and get more specific and get into more detail. But uh, real quickly, the, the reason for all that violence in the mountain South, especially in Appalachia, was what has come to be known as the Moonshine Wars. It was a, a time period when there was a lot of law enforcement activity trying to trying to collect taxes, basically, on people who were making uh, making liquor, making moonshine in particular. Uh, a lot of whom resisted resisted that, um, and of those of that number that was uh, killed, that number of federal marshals, several of them were killed right here in the Upper Cumberland region. And uh, probably in the next section, we're going to uh, look specifically at those cases. But first, let's pull back out again and go look at Oklahoma, and I will try to, it's kind of a complicated story, but I'll, I'll try to, to tell you as, as uh concisely as I can, no promises, why Oklahoma was so violent. Uh, The reason is, well, you know, there's another connection between the Mountain South and particularly Appalachia and the Upper Cumberland and Oklahoma, one that we've already talked about in a previous podcast uh, early on, and that is the Trail of Tears. As you're no doubt well aware, the Cherokees, uh, in the uh, Appalachian region and other southern tribes as well, were forcibly removed from the south to Indian Territory, which is the eastern half of what is now Oklahoma. So that's a connection that the two areas already shared, and that ties in to the violence that would be taking place after the Civil War. I also want to highlight the fact that there was a lot of violence in both those areas during the Civil War. Well, you know, that's not that surprising, right? Uh, Civil War was a violent thing, but it was particularly violent in border regions, the uh, border between Kansas and Missouri, the border between Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, We talked a little bit about Champ Ferguson in one of the previous podcasts. Out in Oklahoma, the Civil War was um, an American Indian Civil War as well because the five tribes, sometimes called the five civilized tribes, were sort of divided uh, among their membership and some supported the Union, some supported the Confederacy. There was a lot of fighting out there uh, and it was very destructive. In fact, so far as loss of life and destruction of property Eastern Oklahoma had it probably worse than uh, any of the southern states, uh, which a lot of folks aren't, aren't aware of. Then, 
when the war was over, there were some uh, some other issues to be dealt with, particularly the fact that those five civilized tribes, and we're going to talk specifically, I guess, about the Cherokee, because they're the ones who came from our region. Those tribes had their own governments, their own nations, kind of semi-independent, semi-sovereign, although the government uh, considered them to be dependent nations. Nonetheless, you know, they had their own court system. They had their own police force. The, uh, the police force was called the Light Horse among the Cherokees and the Creeks and the Choctaws. However, by the end of the Civil War, there were a lot of complicated issues going on regarding jurisdiction in Indian Territory. Because due to the fact that, say, let's say the Cherokee Nation is a dependent nation with its own laws, its own court system, its own police. The Supreme Court had uh, had ruled that they didn't have, well, actually it would be a later case that, concise, that, that decisively decided this, but uh, essentially the Indian police did not have any jurisdiction over non-Indians in Oklahoma. However, because... Indian tribes and Indian reservations, according to the uh, Constitution, uh, can really only be regulated by the federal government, specifically Congress. States and local governments have no authority over them. So what that means is that if you were, say, a cattle rustler or a bank robber in Texas or Kansas or Arkansas, and you managed to make your way, you managed to do like Huckleberry Finn said, and quote, lot out for the nations. That was the Indian nations he was talking about. If you made it to Indian territory in Oklahoma, then the local Indian police couldn't touch you there, and the Texas state authorities couldn't follow you there, and none of the local uh, county governments could touch you there. The only people who had any authority over you were representatives of the federal government. And where law enforcement is concerned, that was only the federal marshal's service. So operating out of Fort Smith, Arkansas, under Judge Isaac Parker, known as the Hanging Judge, several uh, such uh, federal marshals did in fact operate going into Indian Territory to pursue fugitives, uh, and to issue arrest warrants. Um, but there weren't that many of them in comparison to the number of lawless people who had flocked to that area because it was so so enticing. And it was a really dangerous job to be a federal marshal. Um, there were a lot of them who were uh, bushwhacked, a lot of them who were killed while transporting prisoners, trying to arrest people. There were also a lot of them trying to um, stop the sale of alcohol, which was illegal in Indian country. Uh, and so federal marshals would come in and take care of that. If you've seen True Grit, either version, you'll remember that Rooster Cogburn uh, was testifying in, in court about a gunfight that he had had while arresting someone running a still. Well, right there already you can see some connection to the Upper Cumberland, right? Because you're probably well aware 
Quite a few stills in operation here. What further connection is there? Well, for that, you will have to tune back in to the, uh, uh, the next edition because we're going to be exploring this a little bit more. You've been listening to Mountain True. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.